Um, what they were mentioning there are, are the pathways to growth, these five key groups. On the way out today, you're going to be handed a booklet. Um, if you leave without getting one, someone will hunt you down. They're going to put it on your windshield or something now. But on the way out, grab a booklet. This is all of our spring and uh, kind of uh, late winter groups that are going to be rolling out. And you can find more information on our website. There you go. Look at that. Man, can you guys give it up for our media team? Those guys are yeah, yeah. super awesome. But that's what, this is what Jim and Mary were referring to. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. So make sure you grab one of these and uh, check out the website and, and all that fun stuff. So, um, well, hey, guys. Good morning. Um, really excited to be here today. Uh, my name is Sean, like I said. Uh, one of the things that I get to do around here is I get to lead our Columbus School Supernatural Ministry. And so CSSM, yeah, is an acronym you'll hear a lot. And CSSM starts pretty soon. So January 21st uh, is when we launch, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if you haven't joined CSSM, uh, I encourage you to come. It's one of the places you can actually connect into community, too. So um, are, you guys, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for something? I tell you what, how about that testimony? Come on, Jesus. You know, we, just, we actually just got a report um, this weekend that... Uh, Somebody who was prayed for over the phone through our healing rooms. Uh, I don't know. Was it through healing rooms, Cheryl? So through healing rooms, someone that uh, was prayed for by the, our ministry team over the phone uh, for testicular canceled, cancer is, has been canceled, is completely healed. Come on, Jesus. It was somebody that was prayed for in May of 2023, and we just found it out this weekend that that person is totally healed. How good is God? Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Have you guys ever been to uh, church settings? And I'm, I, I'm, this isn't about, um, you know, kind of uh, speaking poorly about one church setting or over another. But, like, you come into a new year and everyone's got a new word. Everyone, no, no one wants to say it now because it feels like it's like I'm poo-pooing it. I'm really not trying to. But you know what I'm talking about? That, like, you come into a year and you got to get a catchy phrase to carry you through a year. No? None of you guys have ever heard of that before? You know, and, and the, the funny part is sometimes there's anointing on it. It really is. And then, and then other times, boy, it feels like we're trying to build again on something that maybe isn't shored up in the foundation. Meaning we come into the next year and we're just going to uh, erase the problems of today and just sort of get, get a new word to get us going. Does this make sense? Versus maybe doing some of the hard work required for what God is calling you into. Versus maybe, you know, looking at foundations and looking at, is there anything that is in my foundation that God might want to heal, restore, maybe take something out? You know, if you've ever built something, you know that the foundation is your most important place. And sometimes as believers, we're like, oh, yeah, I have my foundation in Christ. Like, I'm totally good. I'm totally good. I, I surrender to the Lord. Everyone, amen, come on. If you're in the room, you surrender to the Lord, come on, Jesus. But how many of you know you're not supposed to get up? You're supposed to stay surrendered. And, and, and there are sometimes these little foxes can creep into our life or uh, situations that maybe we invite into or situations that um, we've opened up a door to or just quite frankly, some lifestyle choices that requires Holy Spirit to come and address some things in our life. Are we allowed to talk, grown-up talk today? Are we allowed to talk about this? You know, in order to get, to get something from a message like this, 
One, you just have to be okay with this fact, okay? Jesus loves you radically. Jesus loves you radically. Jesus loves you so much, he went to a cross and died for you. Didn't just die for you, but he died as you so that you could know him. Does this make sense? So that is, that is covered. Jesus loves you radically wherever you are. Even those that don't follow him, did you know Jesus loves you radically? The question of his love has been answered. Now it's a question of your transformation that he's waiting to see. The question of his love is answered. But what are we going to do when it comes to different seasons that we walk in and out of, how we handle those? Man, it makes all the difference in the amount of transformation. Did you know the more transformed you are, the more glory he gets? And it's not to be transformed to the image of a pastor or some Christian. It's actually to be transformed to be more and more like King Jesus. You know, we talked about uh, some healings this morning. I love, man, what an amazing testimony. Come on, Jesus. You know, Psalm 119 says testimonies are like food to the believer. That we actually feed upon, we feast upon the testimonies of the Lord. You know, Bill Johnson says this, that the anointing to heal and bring freedom will be of no value in heaven. These graces must be used here and now as part of the package of tools used to bring nations to Jesus. You know, when we hear these stories, that, that, that's someone that had an encounter with Jesus. Heaven invaded earth in that situation. So awesome. I want to talk today, uh, you guys can open your Bibles if you want to the book of John. We're going to talk a little bit of, in uh, John 10 and John 14. And some of these are going to be some uh, familiar verses for you, and others we're going to kind of color in. And I feel like the Lord wants us to maybe take some things out of these verses that maybe we didn't know because we didn't know the context of some of them. How many of you have read the Bible before and uh, you read the same passage over and over again and on the 17th time, God speaks to you about something different? You, you know, the Bible is living and active. So sometimes we can, we can visit what we call a well, a place that is a constant place of refreshment, that, that there's some, some scripture, some verses, some, maybe something in your life, your story, that deeply resonates and connects with, with a verse or uh, a passage of scripture. Does that make sense? And every time you go to it, it's like you, you, you kind of come to life on the inside. You have hope on the inside. Does that make sense? And then there's other passages of scripture. We read it, and I have no idea what's, what's going on here. That, that, that we read it and we're like, oh, that's really, that's really awesome. But, boy, there's probably depth to it that I don't even know about. Did, you know. did you know what the disciples said about Jesus? That if everything he said and did was written, that there wouldn't be enough room on the planet to hold the books. So when we visit the scriptures, we visit it with an open heart, knowing that God might be speaking to me today about something that I've never heard him say before through that passage. Uh, I heard this, so uh, you guys can open up your Bibles. Uh, I'm going to tell you this story. Um, we're going to talk today a little bit about what it looks like to live an uncompromised life and how we can address mixture in our life. So we're going to unpack those two things. I read this story. It says, my friend wanted a boat more than anything, but his wife was refusing. Unfortunately, he bought one anyway. I'll tell you what, he told her. In the spirit of compromise, why don't you name the boat, he said to his wife. Being a good sport, she accepted. When her husband went to the dock for his maiden voyage, 
This is the name he saw painted on the side for sale. <laughs> oh, that has nothing to do with the message. But I just like that. That was a great story. How many of you read the passage in, uh, in John? John 10. We'll just start in John 10, verse 9 through 10. If you guys open your Bibles, let's just, let's just jump in here. Uh, he says this. This is Jesus speaking to disciples, and really at this time, in this context, all that, would, that, was, that were present to hear. He said, yes, I am the gate. Those who came in through me will be saved. They will come in and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, this is a really uh, contextualized area of Scripture where Jesus is talking about himself as the good shepherd. Did you know we can read into the Old Testament through the New Testament pictures Jesus gives about himself? So meaning he, he shares himself that he is the good shepherd. There's a lot of typology about Jesus that we read in the Old Testament. That he, you know, he, he was the rock that Moses struck. He was these, these pictures and typologies. And it says here in verse 9 that he is a gate. That it's a picture of Jesus being a gate. Now I want you guys to go a couple verses before that. I want you to read verses uh, 4 through 5. So do we have that to put up? John 10, 4 through 5. After he had gathered his own, he walks ahead of them. This is speaking of the shepherd. And they follow him because they know his voice. So he is a gate that brings freedom, but he's also a voice that shows the way. Now it says this in verse 5. They won't follow a stranger because they will run from him because they don't know his voice. We have a clip we're going to show uh, right now, and uh, if you're listening online, uh, there's going to be a link that you can, you can fully watch this clip, but uh, we're going to go ahead, and I want you to play this clip of what this looks like uh, in real life, if we're able to. One more time.
Or you can play it for another couple seconds, say. Yeah, you just made him go away. Was that cool or what? You will never have the same again. Thank you. What a cool picture. Isn't that cool? Of the shepherd actually giving the opportunity for somebody else to call in the sheep, to speak to them, and they don't, they don't, they don't acknowledge. Did you notice, too, that when the, when the, the farmer, the shepherd, came out, it's, it's a sheep farm in Norway, when he actually came out and called the sheep, did you see it was like one by one? I know you watched it one time, but if you were to go watch it again, you'll see it was kind of ears go up, you know? The leader of the pack hears first, I don't know. And one by one, they all start recognizing. And then it was really interesting. Uh, some of the sheep, they would turn to the shepherd because they saw another sheep was turned to the shepherd. Does this make sense? That another sheep who caught his voice helped another catch his voice. And then I love at the end, you know, they all just kind of come around the shepherd. That was just extra credit. That was bonus. Uh, you know, why, am I, why are we talking about this? Because did you know that as a follower of Jesus, you have the capability to hear God's voice? But more importantly, your soul comes to life when you hear God speak. That there are a lot of voices out there that would try to imitate or be counterfeit to the presence of the Lord in, in, in this world. Did you know that? That, that um, every book in the Bible, every book in the New Testament warns about sin. That every book warns about being led astray. Every book warns about the, the, the reality that there's many voices in the world. But it's often up to us how we can tune in our ear to hear that farmer, to hear, our, to hear that shepherd, to hear King Jesus when he calls in a crowd. I was meeting with a friend of mine a uh, number probably like three years ago, and this was someone that uh, came to the Lord. Um, he, uh, this person used to make fun of me a lot when I was in school, when I was in college. Uh, I started to follow Jesus, and he didn't, and he didn't like that I did, and was just would tear me down a lot. Um, and I, you know, was always in good relationship with him. But uh, how many of you know there are times you following the Lord will upset people around you? Did you know the fear of man wants to be a snare? But if you trust in the Lord, you'll actually walk in freedom. So just, just fast forward a little bit. So uh, he calls me out of the blue, and I haven't spoken to him in probably at this point. Um, it was probably a good 15 years since I've spoken to him. And, and I really liked him. He was a great dude, but I followed Jesus, and I wasn't going to look back. And uh, it cost me a lot. It cost me friends. It cost me connection. And, and uh, this was someone that I really valued. We were actually roommates at one time. And so, uh, so he reaches out to me, and he goes, I just got to meet you, Sean. I got to meet you. This, I gotta, can, you, can you meet me? Can you get me any time this weekend? And I said, yeah, yeah. Um, he lives up in the Youngstown area. I said, yeah, what do you want to do? He's like, I'll just come down to you. Can we get breakfast? I said, sure. So we went and got breakfast on a Saturday morning. Great to see him. And he starts sitting me down, and he's like, tell me about Jesus. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> so we just had a conversation about, you know, we just had a conversation about the Lord. And before we went more than 10 minutes, he just kind of stopped me, and he just started to apologize. He's just like, you were right the whole time. See, he got saved about a month before and then wanted to connect with me to kind of make a, a kind of mend something there. 
And while we're talking, he's like, tell me about Jesus. Like, what do I do now? Like, what do I read? What do you, you know? And I said, Zach, you got to learn to just begin to enjoy his presence. You're going to go through a journey, man. You signed up for a journey. But you got to learn just to enjoy his presence. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't try to church it all up. Don't try to get really good at doing church. Can I say that? Get really good at knowing Jesus. Get really good at leaning into his presence. And so he was like, well, how do you hear his voice? So we just kind of walked through, walking through. Um, and he's like, well, you know, why, why, is it, um, why is it important? And I was like, because it's important because there's so many competing voices. There's so many competing invitations in the world. There's so many. We were in a restaurant. There was, it was busy. It was loud. There was music. There were servers. There's people everywhere. And I said, I said if, if, you know, if my wife were to walk in the room, I would recognize her voice because I know her. Does that make sense? But there's a lot of voices that want to take that space. There's a lot of influences or influencers that want to take those spaces in our life. You know, when, when we're talking about how do we build for this year, we've got to begin to look at is there any mixture, any voices that I've allowed into my life that would hinder me from moving into what God has for me? Does this make sense? Now, this is, uh, we, we could have grown-up talk, I thought, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to do a little grown-up talk here. All right, so I want you guys to open your Bibles just a little bit further in the book of John to John 14, verse 6. Now, this is a passage that a lot of us are probably pretty familiar with. This is a passage that says this. It says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. How many of you are familiar with this passage? Come on, Jesus. That's a great passage. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Did you know that Jesus wasn't talking about he is the way to live? He wasn't even talking about he is the truth of God, which those things are true. Does this make sense? Don't hear what I'm not saying. He wasn't, as as as. Born-again believers, we tend to take that and kind of apply it to our life of, you know, Jesus leads me forward. He is my way, which is totally true. We tend to think, like, he is my truth, which is true. But that's not what Jesus was saying. When he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, did you know that the Hebrew hearer at that time would understand what he meant? Where New Testament believers, we might not fully understand what, what it means, so we have to understand what the context was. So why does he say, I am the way and the truth and the life? In the Old Testament, we have a, 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 a Moses tabernacle, uh, we, we have a temple, and then we have Solomon's temple, and we have this picture of God giving specific instructions of how to build things just like heaven. Did you know in the Bible there's one chapter on creation, and there's like seven chapters on the temple? There's seven chapters on just how specific God wants something to be. I want it to be just like heaven. I want it to be just like heaven. I want it to be just like heaven. It's a, it's a picture, a typology, and a foreshadowing of what heaven's like. So, so I want it arranged this way. I want some materials of gold and of bronze and, and all these symbolic, prophetic meanings. This makes sense? Why? Because he wants heaven on earth. And he begins to show us his intention of his heart through even the construction of the temple. And now... Why is that important? Because in the Old Testament, Jesus is constantly revealed as really the, 
you know, the one behind the curtain, the one that it was really all about. You know, when we read about the temple, we actually can start reading into God's plan and purpose through Jesus. So if you, if you could put that uh, graphic up behind me, the way and the truth and the life, they were three gates of the temple. Did you know that? That's what they were called. Rabbinic tradition would tell you that the first gate from the outer court to the inner court over here on the far right, that is called the way. This center gate between uh, the outer court and the holy place, that's called the truth. And the final gate is called the life. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. He was saying, I am all those gates. That I am the entry no one can come to the Father except through me. He just said, I am every gate that you come through. Does this make sense? That, that, that Jesus was, was, was telling them something that no one understood until that moment. But his Hebrew hearers would have connected the dots. Of he saying, wow, there, there is a, there's a new season that we're in. And it's all about Jesus. That this was actually a picture of of encounter with God. Now, just, just follow me here for a moment. So the way, this is where the burnt offerings are and the cleansing was. I want you to imagine the, the, the outer courts here as your life before you, you met Jesus and you got cleansed and set free and Jesus became your sacrifice. As you know, you got saved. But there was a time you didn't and if you, if you said yes to follow Jesus and you gave your life, you surrendered and this, this symbolizes our life of entry point into the kingdom of God. The materials were made of bronze. That bronze represented judgment. Did you know you passed from death to life? That it, it was a picture of the entry place into God's presence was one of washing, was one of a sacrifice that was made for you. That there was a judgment, and you've come up on life. You didn't show up on death through that judgment. Does this make sense? That your baptism, that ceremonial washing, you went down one person, you came up with newness of life. Are you guys tracking with me? So much typology. And then we come into this truth place. And this is where I kind of want to talk about a little bit today. This is where the altar of incense were, the showbread, which represents communion. The incense, which actually represents, we read this in the book of Revelation, the prayers of the saints. We see this as, as an area, the menorah. This is the light of the world. It's supposed to be you, the church, going out and representing who God is. It's a place of ministry. This is, I want you to imagine the holy place is a bit of the activities of the church, the capital C church. Does this make sense? It, it, it's, it's the place that, 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 that only a certain tribe could go into. And it's a place that preparations were done and, and, and rituals were performed. And, and, and there, there's certain ways of going about uh, everything from the incense to, the, to what was prayed. And we see this, this picture of this ministry before the Lord. And then finally, in the holy place, is the holy of holies, um, is where we see the Ark of the Covenant. This is now the presence of God in the Old Testament, that he rested on the Ark of the Covenant. Are you guys still with me? You know, this Ark of the Covenant, going into the holy of holies, was not something that every Levite could do. Did you know it was only someone chosen out of that Levite group? It was only someone that was chosen out of the priests. The priests could come into the holy place, but not every priest could go into the holy holies. 
I wish I had more time. This is not going to be an exhaustive message on this. Did you know that when Jesus, when the veil was torn, it was torn between the truth and the life. It was torn between the holy place and the holy of holies. That that veil that was torn was the veil that was separating God's presence from all of God's people. So when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, what he is saying is, I am the entry point into the kingdom, and I am the entry point into encounters. That he is the entry point to encounter the Father. So if, and I know I'm, I'm being really fast, but if this is a journey of, of getting saved and born again and, and growing in ministry with the Lord, our ultimate end goal is the secret place of encounters. Did you know that? That if you progress through, that is where the temple is leading. <laughs> it's not supposed to stop in the activity of the church. It's not supposed to stop in, in, in the place of kind of doing the stuff. It's actually all that is to prepare our hearts in a greater way for what we're ultimately called into, which is encounters in, with his presence. Does this make sense? Bill Johnson says this. I think we have this quote. He says that the scriptures say that Jesus is the desire of the nations. I'm not sure if we have it up. If we could. Awesome. The scriptures say Jesus is the desire of the nations. That means everyone wants a king like Jesus. You know, so... so this is what occurs, and this is what I want to talk about for just for a few minutes, is in that temple court, in that holy place, the activities of the temple, do you know that was a place that was called to be pure? That, that, that was a space that, we, remember, there was a washing before you go in. It's actually a pure place. It's a place without mixture. It's, it's a place of purity. It's a place of ministry to the Lord. It's a place of preparing our hearts. It's a place of growing more and more, getting more and more transformed, even being equipped in that space for more encounters. You know, too often right now, I'm going to be honest, guys, there is more and more mixture in the church that's stopping us from moving forward into those big words of the year. Does that make sense? I love the big words of the year, but if, you're, if you got mixture here, it's going to hinder you from moving into the secret place of encounters. Psalm 91 talks about the secret place. We can't get into it all now. Just if you want my biblical references, I can give them to you right after. But the mixture here dictates the encounters here. The mixtures that we bring inside. So that can look like so many things. And, it's, and, and I have news for you. It's nothing new. Is there something that you're mixing Jesus with? Just, just take a moment. This isn't about condemnation. This is about adult, grown-up talk. Are you taking anything, the best of the kingdom and the best of the world, but, and no one's noticing? I have news for you. Eventually, you're going to get tired and look for another church because it's not working for you. You haven't had the encounters that you want. You haven't had the encounters that you're invited into. So what could it look like? Could look like 
Is there something you're trying to mix Jesus with? Jealousy, gossip, talking poorly of other people. Some of you might think, oh, no, it's no big deal. It's actually hindering your ability to encounter the Lord. Did you know that? Is it drugs or alcohol? Maybe a relationship you know you shouldn't be in. Have you accepted something that's counterfeit for the authentic in your heart? The world often offers really quick fixes. And the devil will start to say things like, God is taking too long to solve that. Go ahead, take things into your own hands. God's being slow. You surrendered before, you're fine. You're fine. You don't need to surrender again. That word surrender, you're familiar with that one. You don't need to surrender again. Am I connecting with anyone in the room? You know, when we, these are entry points of mixture. Now, here's the scary part. We can begin to learn how to exist in a culture in such a way that people around us don't even know there's mixture. Does this make sense? You learn to say the right things. You, you, you learn the Christianese of a church culture, and you, you kind of catch that river, and then you can flow by for a long time because you say the right things. Does this make sense? It's just too easy just to learn the new language of a church, of a community. And you just fly under the radar. But underneath all that, you're not experiencing that king that everyone wants because of mixture. Oftentimes, it's the things we agree with, the things that we come into agreement with. Those little lies. Let me give you an example. You know, uh, sometimes when people are offended, here, okay, so have you, ever, have you ever talked to someone, they're like, I'm not frustrated, but, and they tell you everything they're frustrated about. <laughs> Did you do that this morning, maybe on the way with your spouse or friend? I'm not, I'm not upset at you, but, and I'm going to tell you seven things I'm really upset about right now. You know, it, and sometimes in church, you hear people say, I'm not offended, but uh, you're about to tell me everything you're offended about. We, we, we learn to say the right things so that we can fly under the radar. Are, are we allowed to talk like this, guys? The whole point of this is that, is that when, when there is mixture, it hinders encounter. And when encounters are hindered, the, the bride is not who she's been made to be yet. We're supposed to be the ones that are in that holy place, that are in that sanctuary place, that are the ones that easily hear that voice of the shepherd and we flock and we run together. And the world begins to see something different. It's dangerous when you can learn to play church really well. It's dangerous when you can learn to play church really well. What's the danger? The danger is you fall asleep at the wheel of your own destiny. Going through the motions, learning how to do, like, play church really well. Here, here, here's, here's one sign that you might be playing church better than you think. Is that you complain about church with maybe your spouse but no one else. Everyone else thinks, oh, I just, you know, 
I love everyone. Everyone's awesome. I'm not offended by anyone. But then you get in the car and you tell your spouse everything you're actually offended by. Maybe I'm just talking to a few people. Maybe there's just one inch of real estate of our hearts that maybe some of us in the room might, might be like, ooh, yeah, okay. Noted. Maybe I've been doing that a little bit. When we start to learn how to put on masks, we actually are starting to veil Jesus to the world. I want to say that again. When you begin to learn how to put on a mask, you're actually starting to veil Jesus from those around you. And you're actually called to reveal Jesus. One of the costs of learning how to do church is you're no longer revealing Jesus to people. Did you know that? Even though you're saying all the right things, there's mixture in your heart. It could come from offense. It could come from jealousy. It could come from any hidden agenda. Did you know that? That This is why it says in, in the book of Revelation that before the throne, we cast down all of our crowns. All of them. We're on our face. Cast. I love what Jordan did. If you're not on your face, I just love that there are people on their face. You know, let's pray. That we cast down everything, even hidden agendas. Did you know that God sees the heart? You can't fool him. You can't fool him. You got a hidden agenda in there. You're doing everything the right way, but there's actually a hidden agenda in there. Listen, guys, that's mixture. And what it does is it keeps you in the holy place, and it doesn't bring you into the holy of holies. Instead, you just learn how to do the holy place really well, and, and only a few are going into the holy of holies. Does this make sense? To stick with that analogy, that the mixture is, is preventing encounters in our life. John 2, verse 14, mixture was something Jesus had to deal with. And I promise, guys, we're, we're actually almost done. Mixture was something Jesus had to deal with. It says this in John 2, verse 14 through 17. In the temple area, uh, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and, uh, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging for, uh, foreign money. Verse 15, Jesus made a whip with some ropes and chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floors, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the uh, people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Verse 17, then his disciples in that moment remembered the prophecy from the scriptures about Jesus, that passion for God's house will consume me. I want to, I want to read one more, one more parallel translation in Matthew 2, verses 12 through 14. It says, Jesus entered the temple, began to drive out all the people selling uh, animals and sac for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and, ch uh, and the chairs of those selling doves. Verse 13, he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Finally, verses 14, the blind, the lame, then came to the temple and he healed them. Did you know the temple needed to be cleaned out before power came? There was mixture. There was exchange. There, were, there, there was exchange, not encounters. So Jesus came and cleared it, cleared the mixture. Did you know in your Bibles, there's a little uh, summary on top of that, a header that probably says Jesus cleanses the temple. Did you know it had nothing to do with water? That there was mixture. There was pollution there. And it's a picture of us as a church. Did you know you're the temple of God now? Yes. That Jesus cleared it out and something amazing happened. All of a sudden power started to move in that space. Transformation began to come to people. The blind, the lame, the sick, they started to get healed. Did you know he didn't do anything but 
address the mixture. He just got rid of the mixture, and all of a sudden, power came. Did you know he didn't fast for 10 days? Did you know he didn't walk around the temple seven times? Did you know that, 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 that he didn't try to say the right prayer? He didn't look up the verse of power for the hour. Does this make sense? And I'm not opposed to those things. But I am opposed to them if the target moves elsewhere. Meaning, if we don't address the actual issue, which is mixture. As soon as mixture, mixture was addressed, boom. People start getting healed. Revival's breaking out in the temple. It later goes on, actually, in that, in that uh, passage that... Uh, Children came and they, they, they actually praised Jesus in, in, this, in, this, in this set of scripture. And the Pharisees are like, Jesus, don't you want to correct him? The, the kids. And Jesus is like, no, it actually says in the scriptures that children will praise God. What am I trying to say is this. Is that when you address mixture, power and transformation gets released into our life in a fresh way. And childlikeness enters in. Because you're not called to be so grown up and have everything figured out. Did you know that? You're called to be surrendered and on your face. So what do you need to surrender in this season to move into 2024? More for 2024. Awesome. What are you going to give up? What do you want to surrender? Do you want more encounters or do you want more stuff? Do you want more of Jesus or do you want... Do you, you want just more mixture of things and confusion? You know, the answer to this is surrender. One of the entry points of mixture is disobedience. Are you guys with me? Just a little bit longer. There's a baby crying. I feel like it's a lot of our hearts right now. I'll tell you the story. This is about a man. He says, I used to have a problem getting my son to clean, my, to clean his room. I would insist, do it now. And he would always agree to do so. But then he wouldn't follow through, at least not right away. After high school, he joined the Marine Corps, which he is now in. When, when uh, he and I were on the plane together coming home for his first leave after boot camp, boot camp, he said to me, Dad, my life makes sense now. Everything you said and did when I was growing up makes sense now. I really, really understand. Oh, yeah, Dad, I learned what now means. <laughs> Thomas Kempis, he wrote a very classic uh, book, uh, Imitators of Christ. He, there's a quote that says this. It says, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. You know, those little foxes can disrupt the prophecies of the Lord over your life. So the Bible actually tells us that it's our responsibility to address those little foxes. Why? It's not so that we can be better than other people. It's not so that you can do your religious duty. It's, a, it, it, it's actually so that you can know what Jesus paid for, which is freedom for your heart, for your body, Freedom, not mixture. Did you know when you live free, it's actually really, it's, it can be um, very exciting, and it, it makes me nervous all the time. 
Like when you live free, you're living right, you're, you're just addressing mixture. Did you know, you know, John Wimber, leader of the vineyard, the founder of it, you know, a long time ago, you know, he said, he said something like this. He goes, you know, when sin, if sin uh, pops its ugly head, address it right away. Why? Because it's too much of an adventure you've been called on to bring sin into it with God. Did you know that? Like you're not called to just come to church and learn how to play church really well. You got destiny and calling and anointing on your life. So the book of Hebrews says, like, then get rid of that stuff that's trying to entangle you and, 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 and strive forward, lean forward. Now, here's a really cool part. Now, this is, this is what gets me really excited, is that the book of Galatians actually is an entire book that Paul talked about. It's an entire book about mixture. And Jim actually did a, did a whole series on it, so go listen to it. It's, I'm not going to do that. But the book of Galatians is actually addressing mixture with the born-again, spirit-filled church. It's a whole book. Now, here's, here's a couple passages of what it says. It says, Galatians 3, verse 2. Let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. It says this, verse 5. Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard. Everyone just say, by believing. believing. Did you know that there's a one-step process to freedom? Just start to believe it. You don't need to cower on the ground for six weeks as you're working through stuff that God wants to take mixture out. Did you know? You just start to believe that he's got grace for you. And And you're going to have the courage to allow him to look into your heart, look into your life. You know, the psalm writer says, God, search me and know me. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in your ways everlasting. Meaning part of our duty is to stay surrendered. You know, get back on the ground. You get back on the ground in your heart. You surrender. Stop doing things your way. Stop bringing in that mixture. All of a sudden, oh, there's not like an 18-step process to encounters. You start encountering the Lord. Did you know the Lord is on the other side of every time you repent? Did you know he's just on the other side of it? He's not like, well, mm, let me see if those tears can get a little wetter. Let me see if you're really sorry about it. No, listen, man, the fact that you even recognize and don't want to turn is God leading you to him anyway. It's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. He's offering the whole thing. So there's no reason for you to get depressed, bent out of shape. It's a one-step process if you have courage to say yes God, take the mixture out. I don't want any mixture. Now, this is what's really exciting. That word give, it says that he, that in uh, Galatians 3, verse 5, that he gives the Holy Spirit. I want to give you a quick little word study on that. That's not just like, well, here you go. Here's, here's a little Holy Spirit. Now, this is a church that had mixture, and they were still working in miracles. But they were really close to blowing the whole thing. So Paul had to write them a letter to let them know, you're about to spin out of control. And yet it says this in verse 5, to give. It's this, it's this Greek word, epikoragio. It means to defray the expense of a chorus, to provide payment for the debt of a group, to supply fully or abundantly, generously provide what is needed, to cover the cost completely. Meaning To defray the expense of a chorus, that means to pay the debt of a group. 
Meaning, you want Holy Spirit? He's been fully paid for by Jesus to enter into your life. And not just a little, not just like, well, if you, if you, if you have four more acts of obedience, you'll start to feel some tingles on your arms during worship. You know, well, if you fast a little bit, if you really get on your face and moan and groan and really, like, make it a public display, people will know that you're really repenting. You know, I might, I, might, I might send Holy Spirit on you in such a way that there's a little teardrop during worship. Mm. More, Lord. <laughs> that the expectations that we carry as believers, we talk about getting rid of mixture, but you have to understand the magnitude of his presence that that mixture is holding up. It's generous. It's fully paid for. His presence is fully given, fully given, fully given. This is what the Holy of Holies is all about. It's an invitation to this level of encounter. We read this scripture earlier. I'm going to close with this. It says that, that, that Jesus actually calls us by name. He is the gate. He calls us by name. And it says that he leads us out into pasture. And it says that he's done this so that he could give us a rich and satisfying life. Can I just tell, that's the invitation that we have with Holy Spirit. It's not to do church really well. It's learning how to partner with him to live a rich and satisfying life. Did you know you're called to live a rich and satisfying life? We have to raise our expectations of the goodness of God. This is what rich and satisfying means. It's another Greek word. It means super abundance. It means excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. That it's an invitation that's way better than what you're living in the holy place. Let's get to the holy of holies. Come on. Let's move into that secret place. Move into that place of encounter, of intimacy, of surrender. And all of a sudden, we actually start living that rich and satisfying life. That he paid for all of your sins. He paid for all of your provision. He paid for all of your opportunity. He paid for all of your favor. So church, the mixture is what we want to begin to say, no more mixture, God. I'm, I'm just, uh, if you're in a place that you feel like, gosh, I'm just tired of mixture. And you know if it's there, and maybe God's even just revealing something right now. You know, maybe there's someone you need to forgive. You know, you might be speaking in tongues. You know, there's this funny meme. It's true, though. It's really sad. You know, you might be speaking in tongues on Sunday, but gossiping on Monday. If, there, if that thing is in your heart, maybe there's some unforgiveness. That thing that's underneath that you know God may be putting his finger on right now. Maybe God's putting his finger on, you know, quit and have an, an agenda and just surrender that thing. Whatever that looks like in your life. You know, guys, today is the day to respond to that. Today is the day to just say, okay, God, we're having grown-up talk. This week, Lord, I want to just take this opportunity, and I just want to get rid of, even if it's something, a one-inch piece of real estate of your heart that you know is there, you know has been lingering. Whatever you brought in, maybe you're bringing in too much of what the world has to offer. Maybe you, no one knows, but you may have stumbled back into a place. Of some stuff that no one knows about could be sin. It, it, it could be a place of pornography. It could be a place of substance abuse. That's real. Man, God wants to address that. But did you know he also wants to address that little nugget that somebody else might have of just unforgiveness towards your brother or sister? That they're both incredibly important to him to get cleaned up, to be made right. 
I'm going to bring my wife up here. We're going to close here. Uh, she has a word that she, she wanted to share to everyone. Um, yeah, so, well, first of all, wasn't that amazing? The way, the truth, the life, and just right. getting rid of that mixture, like Sean was saying, was just, it's just so on point with what God is doing now and has been doing. He just wants to clear the way so that we can get straight to him. Um, and so what I was feeling was, um, just going back to the word of surrender, the Lord just kept highlighting that over and over again, and particularly with jobs and like your role in a job. And what I mean by that is I just felt like when I was praying about that, um, there's like a deep dissatisfaction with where you're at, whether it's like, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I should be doing more than what I'm doing. I should be getting paid more than what I'm getting paid. Or I'm not even called to this. Why am I even here? I just felt like the Lord just was really highlighting that. And, mm-hmm. and I felt like just that fresh surrender again. Um, you know, in, in Hosea, the Lord called him to marry a prostitute. And then what happened, she, she went away with another man. And then he said, go buy your wife back and love her like I love the church. And I was just thinking with surrender, like, what would that look like? especially in your job, it's to, like, go back to your job and love your job the way the Lord loves the church. And so I just really want to encourage you, you know, if you're like, I'm called to ministry and not to this, or I'm called to be a a leader and not a follower in my job, God is saying, you know, first of all, you're being obedient by being there. Right. He called you there. If he was calling you somewhere else, another door would open. So let's just acknowledge that. Yeah, can we also say God doesn't give out wrong assignments? Right. Just, just exactly. Just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 no, I mean that. I mean that because like you're not in the wrong place. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Exactly. And so, um, so you're in the right place, and this is the time that God called you to be there for this moment. So I just want to release that over you. Just put that peace in your heart. And then I just want everybody to close your eyes real fast. Whether this is applying to you, and I'm talking about even being a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, like whatever you consider your role or your job. But just having, if maybe there is some mixture in there of like dissatisfaction, maybe there's some mixture of resentment or offense. I just want you to take a moment and just you and the Lord just saying, Jesus, just clear me of that. Jesus, I give this job over to you. You're the one that gave this to me. Do you know how many people in the world need a job? So thank you, Jesus, for the job you've given me. I'm no longer going to dread Monday, but I'm going to look forward to the moments that you bring before me each day of the week where I can bring joy where there needs to be joy, where I can release love where there is places that have no love. I can release truth where there's lies, I can bring peace where there's chaos, that where I walk, you walk, Jesus, and where you walk, things change. So Jesus, I walk into my day with expectation for you to move, that the word of God does not return void, so Jesus, I just ask for opportunities to speak the word of God. 
Let it resonate in the hearts of my coworkers, my children, my spouse, people on the street, people on the bus, at the grocery store, that Jesus, you walk into the day with me. And every day I'm going to start with you. Thank you, Jesus, for decreasing anxiety right now over the work week. Thank you, God, that you're eliminating that right now. And you're releasing peace over every heart in this room. And thank you, God, that you're raising up expectation to see you move mightily. We just thank you, Jesus, for our jobs. We praise you, Jesus, for the income you're giving us. You praise you, Jesus, for the roles you've given us in our job. And we praise you, Jesus, for trusting us for this position at this moment in time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, here's how we're, we're going to close. Thanks so much, sweetie. Is if there's something as we, as, you know, uh, that God highlighted to you during this message, could be during worship, um, man, you're like, yeah, there's a little bit of mixture. I just want to surrender that thing. If you feel like there's something in your life that it's just time to surrender it, just go ahead and stand up right now. We're going to take a moment. If there's something in your life that you're like, you know what, I just, I want to surrender this. It could be something small. It could be something that's been lingering. It could be something that you know is just you're tired of that thing being there, whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is. Yeah, thanks for the brave ones stepping up right now. I'm just going to give everyone just a moment here to stand up if it's you. If that's you. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like the Lord is saying to you, part of surrender is just trusting God's timing. And so even if it's something you're like, I just need to trust God's timing. Whatever that thing looks like for you, you can just stand up and just allow him to have that space again. Thank you, Lord. So just those standing, just put your hands out in front of you or whatever it is that would help you just make this exchange, this transaction with Jesus. God, we just give you right now. I give you. I give this to you, God. I see it. I see that it's a problem. I see that it's causing my heart ache. Jesus, that you are the desire of the nations, that you are a king that, that I want. You're a king that everyone wants. So, God, I just give this thing to you, and I lay it down at your feet, and I just surrender it now, Jesus. And, God, I thank you that I can trust you with this thing I'm surrendering, that I can trust you with my future. I can trust you with this circumstance. I can trust you with this thing, God, because you know the beginning from the end. So, Holy Spirit, take it. I don't want it again. I'm not going to pick it up again. And, Lord, in place of that, I just ask that you would just give me something to hold on to right now, God. What is it that you want to replace this with, Lord? What is it that you want to give me in exchange, God, and replace this with? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. I just release over you just a fresh grace to encounter the Lord, that, that you've been washed clean, but you're also the chosen priesthood, the royal nation.
You're the one that God is choosing and calling up and higher. And I just want to release over you just that he is a rewarder of courage, of courageous acts that you're doing today. That, he, that you take one step towards God, he'll take many steps towards you in that situation and circumstance. So, Lord, we just thank you right now that this, the, the, the area, God, is, is now starting to glisten with hope. That there's something you're releasing, something you're doing, God, that's no longer going to get held up because I surrendered, Jesus. Because we surrender today. We love you, Lord. Thank you for opening up every highway of provision, every highway of encounter, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I could have a minute.